Hey everyone and welcome to episode 34 of the Audience Police podcast with me, your host, Adam. If you missed the last episode with Pupil Slicer, please do go check it out. And if you haven't listened to their debut album, which came out a couple of weeks ago, and you love something heavy and dirty and pure, brutal hell on earth, uh, hardcore, grindcore, uh, metal, uh, anything within that realm, you should definitely go and listen to it. Um, It's been getting many, many positive reviews, um, which is brilliant to see. And uh, congrats to Pupil Slicer for... Uh, creating such an, an amazing album it will definitely end up in my album of the year list I'm sure of it um, but on this week's podcast I welcomed Sophie and Jake of Norfolk DIY two-piece glitches and uh, they've been catching some attention as well from people around the UK um, for their absolute grassroots approach to their music and their release of their new EP which has just come out um, in an age where it's, everything is easily consumed at the click of a button, um, they're quite literally taking full control of what they do in every sense, um, whether it be their new EP or their merch, um, everything's done with a true DIY ethic, uh, and including their live shows, they actually um, are one of the only bands that I know that play all of their shows on the streets, um, and they've very rarely played in a venue Um, and it's been particularly interesting following their story unfold online and obviously uh, that's why I wanted to have them on the podcast to talk around what it's like to play on the streets and catch the attention of a wider audience. Um, So yeah, I hope you enjoy the podcast and thank you for checking it out. If you are a new listener here, please do make sure you go follow and subscribe on all the platforms for updates on the podcast. I've got a flurry of guests lined up um, in the coming weeks. And if you've not heard the previous episodes, please do go check them out. I've had a few out this year already and obviously some great guests from the past. But anyway, have a great week, everyone. I hope you enjoy the podcast and I will catch you next time. Bye. Hey guys, how are you doing on this uh, fine Saturday and a day after the release of your EP? Yeah, really, really good. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet, it's, I bet it's good to finally have it out there. Obviously, you had a couple of tracks out, but I know I've had it a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, it's really good to see it out in the open. And yeah, yeah really good, really good reaction as well. I know... You've had a couple of shout outs from like Dampy Carter and uh, was it Alex from Kerrang gave you a shout yeah. out a few weeks ago? So, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. really exciting for us because obviously we both grew up with Kerrang either on the TV before you went to school or getting the magazine after school. So to have them just acknowledge us was like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's really wicked to see and especially. Um, we'll talk about this a lot, obviously, your super DIY ethic um, and how it's been picked up by such 
such names in the industry it's it's really yeah. really good to see but before we um yeah before we dive into the ep um just wanted to check in as i have with all every guest that i've had so far how are you doing during these lockdown times and is there anything that's been keeping you going any music you've been enjoying at the moment Oh, yeah. I think we've just been plodding along, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, it's not, you know, there's little ups and downs, but it's just kind of, you just got to accept it, you know? Like, we, we planned last year, leading up to when the whole country locked down, um, to be out on the streets for Sophie's very first gig in April. So we were practising like mad, <laughs> and then literally the whole world shut, and we were like, well, this is, this is brilliant, isn't it? So again... <laughs> That's why we just started writing and I start learning how to use my MacBook properly to record so we could at least do something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we listen to a big range of bands at the moment. But Oh, yeah. I think, like, my music taste is really varied. Like, people will probably <laughs> be quite shocked. <laughs> Whereas mine is a bit more predictable. You've got your every time I die and stray from your path, you know, that, that area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the standard good hardcore bands and I could see you wearing like an Iron Maiden t-shirt as well so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so uh, well yeah let's t- let's talk a bit around you mentioned your, your MacBook and we were talking about your mic before we started um yeah obviously that everybody had plans in place like what was the how was it recording the EP and was that your intention to uh, record something at home or were you planning to do, go into a studio or what, what, what happened basically yeah. uh, writing and recording the EP? We were going to go into the studio. Yeah, we still kind of provisionally have somewhere booked. So that will probably be the second EP. Um, <laughs> we kept back and forth in the studio going, maybe we could do it here and then it's like, no, we can't open. It's like, oh, maybe here and that. And, that's when we then did our first demo, which was Revolution, um, yeah. which was just recorded at home. I didn't even use my guitar amp. It was just, uh, you know, <laughs> a tiny little cable that goes into the MacBook and then an adapter into my guitar and just make it work. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just spent a lot of time. And again, we wanted to get in a studio when things started to open again. But by the time we'd then finished playing on the streets and were ready to think about it, everywhere shut again <laughs> so so we were like okay let's let's see what we can do we managed to get into pirate studios yeah. in norwich for a little bit and then they shut completely so we're oh, like fuck. okay well now i've got half the guitars recorded at the studio half the vocals recorded there and i've got to somehow record them at home and make all the tracks sound similar <laughs> oh you know it was a lot of hours putting the amp in different rooms. You know, I went, took the car into a field and did some vocals in the car because I wanted <laughs> to give the babies a break because it was, you know, it's pretty brutal, my screaming when they're trying to, you know, watch TV next door. <laughs> yeah, I was... Um, I was uh, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, how much do your neighbours hate you now for recording at home? <laughs> or, or were they quite understanding throughout all this? We're lucky. We have quite nice neighbours. Yeah, we do. He, he's into his DJ next door, and I have noticed that since I've been recording my guitars at home and singing a bit more on, like, a Sunday or whatever, he'll have his DJ stuff on. I'm like, OK, uh, we've got yeah. that agreement now that we can both <laughs> express ourselves and we're not going to get angry. It's all cool. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I was going to say about the the sound of the EP, like, and it sounds like it was a bit of a 
pain to put together. But I definitely think, um, yeah, you can't hear hear that in the EP. It sounds like uh, top uh, top tier DIY recording is probably how, I, how how I'd put it. Um, yeah. So did you guys did you guys mix it at home and everything as well? How did you find that parity with the with the uh, getting the recording sounding as uh, even as possible, I suppose, is the word. Yeah. You were just sat for hours. Yeah, hours with the headphones on. And by the end of the day, Sophie was sick of whatever song I was mixing. <laughs> um. <laughs> my, my role in it was just, you know, bring Jake a drink every day. Yeah, it was, it was hard work, but I actually enjoyed it. Once the EP yeah. was done... I had that first moment of doubt of, oh, no, is it a bit too trebly here? Or is that symbol a bit loud or something like that? And eventually you've just got to let go and go, you know what? It was my first attempt and I'm damn proud of it. And, yeah, now not hearing it for a while and listening to it again yesterday, I did a pretty damn good job. I surprised myself, actually. But, yeah, um, yeah I was kind of sad when I finished it, actually, because I've got nothing to do now. <laughs> I enjoyed listening to it. No matter how much it annoyed us all, um, being like, oh, is this scream slightly better than that scream? Or, you know, should I yeah. pan it and have both? <laughs> <laughs> but I learned a lot. And that's what I feel DIY is about, is not just playing the songs and trying to do your own gigs, but trying to learn a little bit about each part of the industry. Yeah. yeah. So you're not reliant on so many other people if something goes wrong. You know how to do it yourself too. And... Yeah, you become a, a better musician all round then, because I had no idea about compressors and stuff like that, and I probably don't <laughs> know that much now. But I know if I do it one way, it sounds a different way, and it's it's really yeah, good but, fun. I, I'd recommend it to anyone actually to just try record your own stuff and, and give it a go. Yeah, I de I definitely agree with that. When um, I don't know if you uh, you two have seen them when we. Uh, during lockdown and I was laid off last year um, and my mate is a tour manager as well. So we did yeah. a couple of cover videos just for a bit of fun, um, yeah. slung them up on YouTube. And again, like Rob, uh, my friend, he's done a bit of mixing here and there, but only for a bit of fun. But when we were sat there for, again, we only did like two two songs, I think it was. Yeah. We spent hours doing the video, yeah. doing the mixing, but it was really good fun. Like you say, yeah, you sit yeah. there and you learn things. Like I, yeah, I learned so much about uh, Adobe Premiere Pro that I just didn't know. Like yeah. we were, we were sat there Googling stuff going, <laughs> how, so how do we do this weird little effect on Matt in this one bit? We want to make yeah. him shake or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it is really cool. Like you say, you, f you almost feel you've achieved more by doing that as well. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's fun for us because obviously being an underground DIY band, sometimes the hard work that we all put in, it never looks as though it, it pays off much. But when you've made it all yourself, you kind of forget about all that. And you're like, even if one person picks this up and loves it, like I've done this amazing thing and someone loves it. Like, that's brilliant. You know, <laughs> you kind yeah, of forget yeah. about the rest because you haven't slung loads of money into something and, you know, gambled on someone else. You've just done it yourself. And yeah, yeah it's nice to have that achievement, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you, you can definitely see that in the EP and... Uh, again, like I know how you guys are with socials and everything, and yeah, I, I definitely think it's important for you, for you two, especially being a 
super DIY band keep that ethic. And again, like you say, it's uh, if one person enjoys it, picks it up and they know that you've uh, done it that way, or it might inspire yeah. them to, to do something as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah so talking, keeping on the DIY ethic as, as, as it is. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk a bit about your merch as well, which is pretty cool um, that you've just put out. Do you, you guys want to talk a bit around that and how you put all that together? Yeah, I mean, that's all completely DIY um, for donations. We basically just messaged a load of friends and family like, hey, do you have any spare T-shirts laying around? Yeah. And they just went through all their wardrobes like, here you go. And then we just, yeah, we just... Turned it into merch. The the original idea came about a couple of years ago. um, And I don't even know where it came from. I was just like, you know, what if if a band did stuff for donations? I was like, what if we trusted the fans a bit more because you know we're both fans of going to gigs more than you know just playing in a band and you go see your favorite bands and they've got a hoodie there for 40 quid and then when you're in a band you start to look at getting merch and you're like but that cost them three pound fifty for that hoodie Mm. and they're trying to pull off that much profit and we know like a ticket that's about 50 quid yeah yeah. and we know obviously there's crew there's there's you know things that are are different it will complicate things as we move forward but for right now you know we can get merch and put it out there and say look look, this is how much it cost us a couple of quid you can pay that and we will take no profit that is fine or you can just donate a little bit and I, i think people appreciate it more because you give what you feel it's worth if we turn up to a gig and we play shit you know (laughs) you expect to make far less that night (laughs) than the nights where you play really well but that's how i've always seen art You, you know if people bid on a bit of art it's how much they feel it's worth and i thought mad idea why not try it with music and just see what happens plus it makes it available to like everyone yeah if you've not got as much money you know i see hoodies from bands i like and i'm like i'm not paying like 60 quid for a hoodie because i can't afford that but then if you do it for donations people go oh look there's a hoodie here for three quid i can afford that and i like this band rather than oh my gosh i'm gonna have to save for like a month to get one hoodie. (laughs) yeah yeah there are bands out there that don't hide that, you know, they're capitalistic, they're part of the, you know, I want to get rich, want to get famous, and that's fine. But the ones of us, like, in the punk scene that are trying to be anti-capitalist, I was like, this is the perfect way to challenge it because, you know, we could be completely, you know, run out. People just, you know, don't like us so we don't make any money. But if you're good and people like you, you'll do well. Yeah. And it leaves it, you know, to the fans more than to us. And... I know I like the buzz of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's, it's it is a really good point because um, I'm a I'm a sucker like same as you. I'm wearing a distillers t-shirt that I got from America and probably paid too much for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the whole thing. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for band merch and probably paid through the nose for for things that I shouldn't have in the past. And yeah, it's it's refreshing to see definitely again and. Um, yeah, it's good to see, like you say, it, it involves the fans a little bit more. I think it has more of a personal impact as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously, because with the merch you've got, obviously you've recovered um, leftover items and turned them into something cool. And yeah, yeah. it's uh, definitely something uh, original. Um, and yeah, uh, I think not calling 
bands hypocrites, but there's a lot of bands out there that say yeah. they're punk and then they'll print t-shirts <laughs> on cheap Gildan t-shirts yeah. that are that are shit and um, wear out really quickly and sell them for twenty quid. And yeah, you, I've seen that over the years when I've bought t-shirts and then six months later they're worn out and I'm like, yeah, oh, exactly. I really wish I, I really wish I hadn't bought that because now I feel a little bit. Yeah. Bad myself for buying that bit of merch but yeah yeah really really good to hear um and i hope you guys keep doing that as well because i think it's a brilliant idea and i hope more bands do it as well so if anyone's listening do it um, <laughs> um so something else i wanted to talk about that people may or may not know about but i do want to uh, shout about it was how was it playing on a flatbed truck outside number 10 downing street because <laughs> That is, I've not seen anyone do that. When when I, I think that was when you you both really caught my eyes when I saw that pop up on socials. So I was like, "Fucking hell, the bravery of that!" <laughs> um, yeah. So talk a bit around that and like why? Well, we I know why you did it, but yeah. talk talk about it, like what, the why behind it and how you sort of pulled it off. I suppose it was scary. <laughs> it was, and and from a musical point of view. It was horrible. You could not hear anything. And the, we didn't think about, obviously, the sides of the van would just echo the guitar amp. It just sounded like noise. We couldn't hear anything. And then every time I tried to move around, it was wet. So I had to try not to fall over. So I was kind of stomping. But then all you could hear was the stomping. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was amazing. It, yeah. it really was, you know, it was fun. And... We, we had a, a message and a, a voice that needed to be heard and we want to show to people that it doesn't always have to be, you know, thousands of people getting together to do something. Everyone has a voice. If you're pissed off at something that the government's done, you know, make your voice heard in what whatever artistic way you can because that's what they really hate is how people, you know, it isn't just standing at the gate and shouting. They'll do all kinds of things. Because I think the day before, there was an orchestra or something out on Parliament Square, wow. Um, wow. which was incredible. And that's that's what scares them the most, is that people aren't going to revolt and just smash stuff up. They will, you know, civil disobedience, but in really creative ways. And that's what we want to, want to do. And use our, you know, our loud music to draw attention and then throw a message at them, whether it's a message like, you know, you've shut all the venues, not given anyone any money, not given anyone any support. You know, people like tour managers, like you were saying, like I used to do that job and tour driving and, you know, there's no help for them whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they do say, oh, we'll throw money at it. It goes to the big venues and the small clubs are still all shutting. And I'm like, well, you know, someone has yeah. to say something and, we did on a flatbed That's what truck. we did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you, you, I mean, you're totally right. I, I was literally reading this morning about that um, that huge fund that had been put aside for um, the arts and culture. And I think um, just under half of it's, only half of it's been paid out. Yeah. And again, like you're saying, that it was highlighted in the article I was reading. It's like the Royal Albert Hall's got this and yeah. X has got that. But then we look at the Black Heart, which is a prime example at the moment, where they've had zero support and exactly. they've had to do everything off their own back. So they literally can reopen. Um, yeah. Again, talking about wicked ways of um, raising funds for them. They've been doing some wicked stuff. I gave it a shout out on last week's podcast, yeah. like um, putting up amps for sale from Orange and yeah, pedals and really cool shit like that, that not only draws in 
music fans, but actually people who play music as well and yeah. keeping that important. So yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think that being more creative and also from a, from a fan's perspective, because I'm primarily a music fan, when you see stuff like that, again, you get more bought into the message, I think. Yeah. Like, like you say, rather than just standing there and shouting, if you do something a little bit different to catch people's eye. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yeah. anyone can stand up on their stage at a show and say something in between a song, but sometimes you've just got to do a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Well, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to hear and um, the EP's uh, amazing and I'm glad everything's been really positive for you in the last, yeah. certainly in the last 24 hours. Um, it's really good to hear. Um, so we'll go on to the, the the second part of the podcast and the fun bit of the podcast and talk about uh, top gigs that you've played and the top gigs that you've been to in flip side of the barrier so yeah. i'll open it up to you too i don't I don't mind how you want to do it um so talk about some of your top gigs played i, I presume we've already talked about one but yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah do you want to start with the other one then at the skate park yeah one of my favorites fun. it was my first ever gig and it was at a skate park in norwich and it was just brilliant the kids like even these little kids that were like three or four they were like yeah and buzzing and like it was just a really good atmosphere like yeah, really especially for your first gig like it wasn't scary or anything <laughs> and i just really really enjoyed it yeah and the the people there seem to come back every time we go back and play there and they seem to really enjoy us um yeah it, i don't know it's just that weird vibe isn't it like you know it's not just the people you think would be enjoying our music. There's whole families there that are just tapping their feet along. <laughs> yeah, nice. Which is really nice. Um, yeah, obviously Downing Street was another uh, yeah. really, really good one. Um, one of my favourites was at Leeds Arena. This was before Sophie joined. She was with us. I, I don't know why she is mad enough to join me on my adventure of, hey, I'm living in the van, I'm travelling the country, playing gigs on the streets to make money. Do you want to come live in the van with me? And she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now she plays the drums in that van. So, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, this was Bring Me the Horizon, I can't remember, a couple of years ago. Um, we set up outside Leeds Arena and we said, right, we'll go on the central reservation bit of the crossing because if we go there people can watch from the other side it'll be safe and then we can play from here and just put the bucket on the other side of the road what yeah, we didn't yeah. expect was for everyone to try and get on the small platform we were on and then just block <laughs> both lanes of the road <laughs> so that yeah that was a bit bad weren't it um and we got into uh, I can't remember what song it was. And I was like, right, I've got to do this. I've never crowd surfed on the streets and it's got to be possible. Oh my God. So I jumped on the bass drum and I looked at like a few people in front of me and I was just like, I'm going to jump on you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, jumped, I turned around and just like, trusted like, come on, please catch me, please catch me. <laughs> <laughs> and I jumped and it was epic because there was almost like a moment of silence as, as I jumped. 
And like everyone kind of was just like, what's going on? And then as I landed and they caught me, like everyone was just jumping and going <laughs> mad. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, bit, bit, of a, bit of a like a slow motion thing. Like yeah. you're floating through the air and you're like, like you say, is anyone going uh, to catch me? Yeah. Like, I'm, um, yeah, I don't crowd surf a lot because I'm super tall. So it just yeah. looks stupid and awkward. <laughs> but um, when I went to see Goddamn uh, 2019 as well, last time I saw the, uh, those, those guys, um, mm. Yeah, it was the same thing, but I, uh, the opposite happened to me. I, I jumped off the stage at the Shackwell Arms, and I think two people ca- kind of half caught me, and then I fell on the floor. And oh, it was just like, <laughs> and it was that whole thing. I was like, I'm falling, I'm yeah. falling, I'm going. It happened so slow in your head. You're like, yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, uh, what? Uh, any any more top gigs played? I love playing Sheffield. That's another one I do love. Yeah, that is fun. everyone loves it. No one's ever had a problem with it. And you just, when I'm behind the drums, I don't see a lot because I'm just focusing. All I see is the back of Jake's head and I'm trying to hear <laughs> where we are and all that. And then I'll finish a song and I look up and there was, every time we're at Sheffield, there's just a big crowd. Yeah. And we're just like, where did, like, where did they come from? <laughs> yeah, I do. That. I, I love Sheffield. I love playing Sheffield. Yeah, it's nice. a nice one, that. Got to try and find some more places this year because... Uh... We've done like the big kind of main cities and we want to try and get into the more smaller places because that's the other thing about us playing on the streets is so many bands, when they tour, you end up going, oh, they're not coming anywhere near me. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to try and get to some of those places where, you know, live music isn't that, you know, often there. <laughs> yeah. Shet- Shetland Isles, uh, keep your eyes out. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Actually, no. It's it's. I've been to Shetland. It's a very long way to go, and it's very cold. Very yeah. cold. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, actually, kind of just di- go go off in a different direction. Is there any plans to do like proper venue gigs? Um, you're going to yeah, try and sit, seek out like support slots or whatever headline shows in like small smaller smaller venues. It's definitely something we want to want to mm. do. I mean, we'll always be playing the streets. Like, even if, say, for argument's sake, one day we played Wembley, we'd still be out <laughs> on the streets earlier on in that day. Oh, yeah, I'd probably be in the car park on the back of, like, a 4x4 four four or something. <laughs> just the ultimate warm-up for our own gig. <laughs> hey, it's been done before by big bands, like, yeah. play, play, play it on the street uh, beforehand for the fans that can't get in. Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, <laughs> good thing to do yeah I'd, I'd love to see you guys like um come to london and play like shackwell arms or something like that um i'm sure i'm sure there's many promoters out there that would put you on and uh yeah i'd love 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 to see you down in down in london when uh when all this craziness finishes yeah definitely. um so yeah top gigs been to then as fans i'm sure there's like you were saying there's so many you've probably been to so it's yeah. probably hard to think <laughs> but yeah what's what's some of your favorite gigs ever then what my, my ultimate favorite was saw, we went together didn't we yeah we saw death of Anna, if you've heard of them yeah, yeah. Um, we, we saw them in brixton yeah, yeah brixton, brixton. <laughs> and it was just an amazing gig because i followed death of Anna for you know years and to see them playing something like Brixton it was just amazing and the atmosphere was just yeah it was a really good night yeah it it was so good so good I love I love that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a really nice one that was um cool one of my favorites was every time I die at the black heart like you were saying 
Yeah, um, I miss I miss that gig, and I'm still gutted to this day. I miss that. <laughs> well, uh, Gary, their tour manager, he um I know him really well, and uh, he was like, "Do you want to drive?" this and i was like yes <laughs> i want to drive this yeah. um so I, I ended up driving i think it was their gear from one place to the other but i was at the gig and he's always laughed and said i'd say like oh i'll crowd surf and he's like no you won't jake you're tiny you don't do <laughs> like that. you won't go in the mosh pit you're too scared and then <laughs> right at the last gig because you know it is a bit daunting when you're tiny like me if i've got a guitar in my arm i'm fine confidence is like way up <laughs> while i'm in a gig you know i'm normally at the sound desk just watching and i was yeah. like i've got to do it so what I did is I ran to the front, squished through all the people. And I was like, this is their last song. If I don't do it now, like, this is it. So I just jumped on the stage and fucking crowd surf right to the back. Middle fingers in the air at Gary in the back. <laughs> like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that, oh, I was so wet at that gig. We, yeah. It is a, such a sweaty venue. I have played it a lot of years ago in a previous band, and it is so, so sweaty that we got outside and I, I took my T-shirt off and tried to wring it out, and it was worse than if I'd just got it out of the washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like one of, one of my... I always It always comes up on this podcast, but when I saw the Bronx at Black yeah. Art, uh, there's, a, there's a famous picture of me that circulates now um of me just grabbing Matt from the Bronx and same thing I remember and that was in February I think and it was freezing outside yeah. yeah and we came out put my jacket on and I was like I don't know whether I'm better with my jacket on or my jacket off and trying to dry I'm not yeah. sure <laughs> all I know is I was wet and cold but yeah same thing but I, I yeah thinking about that Bronx gig I cannot begin to imagine what every time I die. Would be like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a sweaty mess. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was mental. It was. <laughs> nice. Oh. Uh, yeah. Any, any, any more top gigs? There must be. Yeah, a this, few more. This might shock some people because when you listen to our music, <laughs> and I say this, it's a bit contrasting. But one of my favourites was One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. fair enough. We're we're all we're all open on this it podcast. So good, <laughs> so good, like so good. I mean, I was like fifteen, so you know, it was a while ago. It was like what eight years ago now. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was really good. And like people are like oh, One Direction, but like they put on a good gig. Like they really <laughs> did put on a good gig. Yeah, was the yeah? It's like a kind of like when I saw Jay-Z and Kanye years ago. And when you have, like, those big production pop gigs... Yeah. Yeah. It does blow you away. There's no denying, like... I hate, like, people... Like, not... Yeah, people that are like, I'm only into rock music. But if you go to, like, a really... Gorillaz is another one that I always talk about. Like, Gorillaz, the production, you just stood there and you're like, this is insane. Yeah, yeah. You're like, how did you do this? I suppose it's more than just a gig then, isn't it? So, like, it's all your senses. Yeah. It's show, yeah, yeah. Yeah, One Direction was pretty good. Well, yeah, my um, kind of, like, pop gig that I went to and that I loved um, was Miley Cyrus, and it was in London. I absolutely loved that. I think I was about, yeah, 16 or something like that, and I was so lucky because, you know, every boy at that age has his favourite crush, and Miley was mine. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, I'd got tickets um, with a friend and went down, and then the next day my dad messaged me and was like, your sister's friend 
can't go. Do you want to go? And I was like, Miley Cyrus, two nights <laughs> in a row. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so back down to the O2 I went. <laughs> All your dreams came true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's good fun. Oh, But, yeah, that's the thing. The pop gigs, it's just each song, there's something different. You know, <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like O2, yeah, O2's just down the road from me now. Yeah. And um, yeah, like went to see like, even you think like rock bands that play uh, the O2, like saw Biffy Clyro three years ago there, I think it was. And same thing, like I've seen Biffy Clyro back in the day uh, in tiny venues, but seeing them on that big stage and translate to it again, it was just like gobsmacking yeah. really brilliant yeah. wow <laughs> I, I, and then with Biffy Clyro then they drop like an old track and I'm like yes yeah. it's still the Biffy I remember <laughs> as well um, cool uh, any any more guys any any more top ones you could think of well I, I saw Enter Shikari um, nice. in France and it was an amazing gig because in England this was it wasn't that long ago it was when they did that um their first album tour again. Um, and I wanted to go see them and was trying to look to go see them in London or Manchester because they wasn't coming to Norwich area, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the tickets were rather high for London area. And then there was the travel and if I was driving, parking, all that. And I was like, I wonder how much it is in France. And I looked <laughs> at it and I was like, I think it's a 150 cap room. So it was tiny. And I was like, this is like the dream come true for a Shikari fan. You want to see him in a tiny venue. And the tickets, I can't remember how much they were, but I remember the tickets and the flight to France was cheaper than me getting the tickets to London and a train to London. So I went yeah. to France. <laughs> yeah. And I, I even spoke to Rao after the show, because obviously, you know, everyone was just there there was not that many people so it was great i said i'm sorry i'm probably the only english person here but it was cheaper for me to come here (laughs) (laughs) so you might have to look at that because i don't like doing this to the planet too much (laughs) and he just laughed at me (laughs) yeah Um, those those gigs are amazing when you um i think they're more special when you go and travel to another country for for gigs like I've yeah I've done that multiple times like going to Berlin or uh, uh, or um, Amsterdam or something like that and you yeah. make a trip you make a trip out of it and yes it's, I think those shows are more special for me yeah I definitely think they always they always stick with you a little bit more because I've been to God well, especially since I've lived in London God knows how many gigs yeah, in London loads. but you forget about some of them just because you go to the same venues all yeah. the time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I did that once. I um, when ACDC were touring, I was like, I've got to go see him. So I had all the tabs up, and I was like, right, London, London. That's what we got. I've got all the tabs up for London. So I was on there, bye, bye, bye. Keep changing the tab, bye, bye, bye. And I finally was like, yes, I got some. And I was kind of dancing around the bedroom. And I got back to the laptop and I opened the email up, and it said Glasgow. And I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I made a weekend out of it, and yeah, that was the best time I saw them. It was it was amazing seeing them in in Glasgow. Yeah, that's 
the yeah. spots have a different kind of energy though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I went to Edinburgh to see Queens of the Stone Age in like 2007, yeah. um, something like that. And yeah, that Edinburgh, I can't remember the name of the venue, but again, it was probably one of the smaller venues on the tour. So it was really, really yeah. wicked. Because I think, yeah, London, they played Brixton Academy on that tour. Yeah. And yeah, I went to Bristol, Edinburgh, and a couple of others but like the i think the edinburgh one again sticks yeah. out just and like like you say scott's different energy definitely. oh yeah i love it <laughs> if, <laughs> if the fringe festival goes ahead this year we will be up there playing on the street somewhere i love it <laughs> nice nice yeah that would be great um oh well they, those those are amazing gigs you've recalled and yeah some proper good stories that I can relate to as well um so yeah um that's fantastic um both of you and thank you so much for coming on and having a chat no thank you Um, uh, especially on a on a Saturday in your own time um so just to wrap it up um I know we've talked a bit around it but what's next for you two and where can people pick up your EP and your and your merch um, at the moment, the EP is obviously streaming on all the main platforms. Uh, you can get it for donations on our Bandcamp. Um, just, all the merch. Yeah, all the merch. And it's, it's all priced at what the cost it was to make it, and then you donate on top whatever you, you know you want. I think the CD was literally 50p because we managed <laughs> some some pretty good bargains on um, eBay. But I just put used <laughs> and then just looked for anything secondhand and was like, right, I'm buying that, I'm buying that just get the cost down as much as i can (laughs) um plans we're going to be hitting the streets as and when the country opens um and yeah for if anyone wants us to come somewhere just message us you know hopefully we'll be back venue gigging everyone you know if we can this year and we'd like to do that and try and do them on donations if possible as well um yeah, just back to the streets as soon as we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Yeah, and yeah, come down to London, you two, because um, I'd really like to uh, catch you on the streets or in a venue. If and if any of my, if... no, I, I have. <laughs> we have been banned a few times in in London. This is before <laughs> Sophie was playing um, <laughs> London Tattoo Convention. We got tackled. Um, the police come if we even turn up at the O2 Forum now. <laughs> <laughs> Arms, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Maybe, maybe a venue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If any of my promoter mates are listening, uh, put glitches on, please. Um, yeah, Shacklewell Arms, I think, will be a, a great venue for you too. Um, yeah, but yeah, thank you again so much for for coming on. That's and right, thank you. Um, yeah, I will hopefully catch you on the streets after lockdown. Yeah. yeah hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.